Go ahead and open in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that's where we're going to start today. Yeah, I don't I don't want to assume that everybody in here knows why we're here. So we're we're gonna go over why we're here today. Because if there wasn't an Easter almost two thousand years ago, we wouldn't be here. There'd be no reason to be here. We'd be in fact wasting our time to be here. And so I want us to look a little bit at the resurrection of Jesus. You know, the resurrection is something that uh, if you could have disproved the resurrection, they would have done it a long time ago. They would have done it right away. When the disciples were proclaiming the message of Jesus, they would have produced the body. They would have gone and found it. They would have did something uh, to make sure that they knew that, hey, this is, this is all just a good story. This is a nice fairy tale. You know, this is like a Disney movie, you know. Don't Disney movies always end happy, almost? You know, it's the happy ending, you know. This is what it is. But it's not. That's not just what this is. It's not just a good story. It's not just a happy ending. It's, it's the victory of Jesus over every enemy. So it says this in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 3. This is the gospel. This is what the good news is. And, and we need to be reminded of that sometimes. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. This is the gospel right here. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That's not the gospel by itself. Woo, boy. Oh. And left. <laughs> Move over here. That's not the, the gospel by itself. It says he died according to the scriptures, also that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve disciples, and after that he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers and sisters at the same time most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, to all the apostles. And then it says, last of all, he appeared to me. That's Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, as one abnormally born. And so this is the gospel right here. The gospel is not just that Jesus died on the cross. Because it says later, if you go a little bit later in this, in this passage, just so you know I'm not making it up here, this is in the Word of God. It says this in verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 15. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. You see, without the resurrection of Jesus, the death of Jesus doesn't mean a enough. It's not just that Jesus died for my sins. Because without that, it's, it's great for this life and that's it. And then there's no hope after this life. 
But if Jesus died for my sins, he was buried and in the grave for three days, and then when he came back to life and he conquered death, that's good news. Because he says, guess what? You're going to come with me. You won the victory. And so the whole resurrection account is like Jesus' victory parade. It's the beginning of the resurrection parade. It started 2,000 years ago, and it's still going on. Does anybody like parades? I don't. (laughs) What's wrong with me? I don't know. What's wrong with me? Something's wrong with me. Ask my wife. Okay. um, (laughs) It was a huge victory celebration. See, Jesus, before he died, you know, when he was being punished, when he was suffering, he was submitting himself to everything that was going on. He was... He was being beaten, he was humble, he was humiliated, he was crushed, he was bruised for our iniquities, all this stuff. But when Jesus comes back from the dead, there ain't no one touching him anymore. It's no more, hey, you get to beat on me. It's no, he's beating on on who he wants to beat on, so to speak. He beat on the devil, he beat on sin, and he beat on death itself. He beat on the grave. And he won the victory, and from that day forward... It's a parade of Jesus' victory throughout the ages until He comes back one more time and seals the deal once and for all. But without the resurrection, we're wasting our time. It's not enough that Jesus died on the cross. It's only enough that Jesus died and came back to life. So when you're telling somebody the good news the gospel of Jesus, don't leave Jesus on the cross. We're definitely not ignoring the cross. We're not skipping the cross. We're not minimizing the cross. I mean, we sang about the cross and the resurrection this morning. Did you notice that? Almost every song, obviously on Easter, was declaring the death and and the victory of Jesus in the resurrection. Because that is the resurrection song that's playing in the resurrection parade. Is that Jesus died and then he was buried, but he came back to life and I'm alive now too. And everything he said he would do, he did. And he guaranteed it by him coming back to life from from the dead. So I want us to turn a little bit here and go back and read a resurrection account uh, from John chapter 20. John chapter 20, if you want to turn over to John, it's not going to be on the screen. John chapter 20. For anyone here who doesn't know this story, this is after Jesus has died. He's been buried and he's been in the grave for a couple days now, and it says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Verse 2, So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. That's John who wrote this book. And she said, that's how he described himself. He, He was confident in the love of Jesus. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb... And we don't know where they put him. So, Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, and the other disciple outran Peter. Just so you know, John was faster than Peter. Okay? John was the sprinter. 
Peter was, was something else. He was coming up behind. And so he reached the tomb first, verse 5. It says, he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there. And look at this, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. And finally, the other disciple who'd reached the tomb first also went inside. And he saw and believed. But then it says this in verse 9. They still did not understand from the Scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. It's not just that He would, that He had to. That He had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Don't you just, don't you just, isn't this just fascinating right here at the end? Verse 10, I want to highlight that. They go to the tomb. He's not there. It says they're seeing the, the grave clothes there. It's all kind of neat and tidy. I mean, it doesn't look like somebody just ripped them off. It doesn't look like they're still all there. It looks like somebody probably just like went through them, right? And they're just laying there exactly how they were. And it says they went in, they see this amazing sight, and then they go home. They're like, cool, that's it. And then they, they just went home. Here's the thing. Spiritually, when we encounter God and we receive the revelation of Jesus, and do we just go, wow, that's awesome, and then go home? When you, when you encounter God in a powerful way, when He does something in your life, do you, is it like, yes, that's amazing, and then you just go home and everything's the same? It shouldn't be. If he's really alive, then these guys should have been doing something different. It says Jesus had to keep showing up to them over and over again, right? He finally he had to appear to him and say, I'm here. Then he appears to him again. They're like, is that really you? And then he's like, I'm here. <laughs> then it says he appears to them later a third time. Hi, I'm here. And they're like, is that Jesus? <laughs> I mean, after the third time. If you go to John 21, if Jesus appears to them, they're fishing. And he says, hey, throw your net on the other side to the disciples. It's how he first met these guys. It's like a clue. He's like giving them a clue. They're fishing and he shows up and says the exact same thing. He says, hey, why don't you throw your net on the other side? And they're like, okay. You know, stranger on the shore telling us how to fish. Sure. Whatever you say, we'll do it. And so they threw it and they catch this huge amount of fish. And then Peter said, it must be the Lord. And he jumps out of the boat and he runs and it says, this is John 21, and it says, verse 8, the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. They had all these fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning with coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. Where's Tommy at? That's a pretty good fishing day right there. 153 fish, right? That, that'll do, right? But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now listen to this. Look at, what the, look at what the disciples do. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Now why in the world would they not know that it was Jesus? I mean, why? This is, it says now at the end, it says... 
They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to him, did the same with the fish. And this was now the what? The third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. But still, they're like, they're almost asking the question, is this Jesus? I mean, did you get that? This is the third time. Here's the deal. Jesus looked different. He was now glorified. He was now in a glorified body. That's why every time... I mean, have you ever been confused where nobody recognizes Jesus? I mean, these are guys, they live with Him for three years. They're with Him every day. They saw Him do miracles. They're, I mean, they smelled His sweat. I mean, they knew when He needed to take a shower. I mean, they knew how He ate His bread and fish. They knew all that stuff. And then when He comes back to life after He's been dead, they're like, is that Him? Man, we don't forget people that we live with. We don't forget our family. We don't have to go confused. It's like, is that my kid? You know, Jake's mom doesn't go, well, God looks like Jake. <laughs> the beard is a little bit different than when he was five, but you know. <laughs> it was the same, one, though, when he was six. So, um, sorry, I'm picking on you. So, I mean, it's, it's amazing, but here's the deal, because Jesus showed up, and now he is, he is appearing as the reigning king. He looks different. Look at this, Mary Magdalene. If you don't believe me, go back to John 20 and verse 11. It says this, Now Mary stayed there. Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. So you have somebody again who knew, Mary Magdalene knew Jesus very well. She's, she's all throughout the gospel accounts, showing up with Jesus, worshiping at his feet, doing all this stuff. And, but Jesus stands in front of her and she doesn't recognize him. Because he was already in glory. Thinking he was the gardener. Like, this is one of those notes where you know, like, this has to be real. <laughs> why, would, why would they put that in the Bible? Just, like, it's like, hey, this is a first-hand account. She, she's telling the story to John. When I saw him, I thought he was the gardener. And John's got to be laughing with, just like we were laughing, like, really? <laughs> did he have a hoe with him or something? Did he have a rake? I mean, did he have a shovel? Did he look like he was taking care of the flowers? Um, and she said, sir, if you've carried him away... Tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And then Jesus said to her, Mary. And then she turned toward him and cried in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And so Jesus says, don't hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Notice the revelation for Mary happens when Jesus spoke her name. And some of us, we've never heard Jesus speak our name to us. If you've never responded to God, if you've never 
given your heart to Jesus, right now, today, guess what? He's calling your name. He is personally coming to you and saying, I want you to receive me. I, I did this for you. I, I did this for every single human. No one is excluded. You are not left out. And he is, he is coming to you as the king. He's saying, I have, I have beaten all the enemies you're facing. I, am beating the, I have beat the depression and the sickness that you face. I have beat the discouragement. I have beat the anger that controls you. I have, I have beat the hatred that's in your heart. I have beat the lust in your eyes. I have conquered those things. I am the victorious king. And now I'm calling your name to say, come with me. Join the parade. Join the reigning king that's going to reign on the earth forever and ever. And that invitation, Mary's eyes were awakened. And sometimes we need to hear the voice of God speak to us and call our name personally. It's in that time when God speaks to us that we are reawakened to who he is. Mary doesn't need to stay there and hang out with him. She does exactly what Jesus says. Again, Jesus, I know we're jumping around in the story, but Jesus then begins to appear. He appears to the disciples again, and he shows up. He walks into the room without going through the door. Another clue that where something has changed with Jesus, he is now in his spiritual body. Because Jesus in the resurrection was also confirming and declaring the spiritual reigns over the natural realm. And we have to realize that. When you are connecting, if we are going to connect with Jesus, we have to realize all the stuff that we naturally feel, my thoughts, my emotions, my five senses, is not in charge of what's going on. That's why they didn't recognize Jesus, because they couldn't recognize him with just their five senses. They could only recognize him with a sixth sense, which was their spiritual discernment, their spiritual person inside of them that needed to be awakened to the risen king. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. So I want us to turn back to 1 Corinthians 15. It tells us this. Because Jesus is still at work Today, carrying out the same mission he's been carrying out since he rose from the dead around 2,000 years ago. So 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20, it says this, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits. Then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father. After he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power. So here's what Jesus is doing right now. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. So right now, the purpose of Jesus 
in salvation, in releasing the kingdom of God, is putting all enemies, anything that stands against God, anything that stands against what's good, anything that stands against what we were created for on this earth, He is putting those enemies down until they are totally defeated. And it says, then the end will come. For He must do that until all enemies are under His feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. That's good news. Because that means that enemy does not have the last say. Death does not have the last say in my life. Because I am a child of God, there is, it is not this life, it is not this life that defines me. It is ultimately the next life. It is, it is the, the heaven that has been placed in me in this time. When heaven has come to earth and invaded my heart and invaded my emotions and changed me so much, that I am different. And now when I come to my time when I am facing death, Jesus takes death and gives a nice straight arm. If you want to think of football and says, No! I beat you. But in the end, Jesus will take death itself, it says in the book of Revelation, and throw it into hell. And say, You will never have part in my creation again. That's good news. We've all lost people we loved. We've all seen death take its toll. We have have experienced the reality of the brokenness and the hurt in this world. And we know, unless we're fooling ourselves, this is not going to last forever. Some of us are getting closer than the others, right? Some of you, it's a little more of a reality. Uh, it's It's a whole lot more of a reality to me at whatever age I am now as to when I was 20 years old. The reality gets closer and closer. But here's the deal. Jesus right now is taking every enemy that stands against Him and He's putting them underneath His authority. And He invites His people to join in the parade. To say, hey, guess what? And here's the deal. This is is a parade where you want people to jump and join in. You know, if you've seen that, the Midland... uh, Sorry, if you're a Lee person. The Midland High Parade comes right by my house because I live right down the street here on A Street. So, you know, it's, 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 that, it's that parade, you know. And here's the deal. They don't want you to join in. Right? When the band comes by, you know, if some creepy 40-year-old guy starts walking with the teenagers... <laughs> There's like, you know, there's other adults, there's text, there's people are whispering, and then the biggest guy that's there starts, you know, you know, slowing down their walk to where, like, hey, what's up, brother? <laughs> I know I can take you, so why don't you get out of the line? So that's what they'd say to me. Uh, but here's the deal. This parade is not like that. This parade is where we're going along, and someone catches a glimpse and says, what's going on with you. And we say, come on. It's the celebration of the victory of Jesus. And you get to be a part of it. You get to be a part of it. You didn't do anything. You did nothing. You don't deserve it. You don't, you don't belong in this. But Jesus has said, guess what? My victory is enough 
to cover everything that you would do against me and to bring you into the place of my kingdom where you rightfully walk with me in reigning on the earth. It says in Ephesians 2 and verse 6 that if you are a believer in Jesus, you have, you have now been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Jesus is sitting on the throne right now and He is subjecting all the enemies under His feet. Sickness, death, sin, brokenness, all those things are being put down until the end time when He will come back and say, it's enough. But the reason He doesn't do it is because He's still... He doesn't come back today. He's like, there's still people joining the parade. You've still got to take your place. There's some who are still on the outside looking in going, what's going on with this? And Jesus is making the invitation saying, come on. Won't you come join me? Won't you come join the victory? It says, when he's done this, then the Son himself will be, will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. You know, later on it talks about this spiritual body that Jesus said. In verse 42, it says, So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that's sown is perishable, it's raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. So it is written in verse 45, it says, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, that's Jesus, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. And look at this. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. In other words, we all have the brokenness of Adam and Eve in our lives, and we know that. But, and as the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have been born the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. You know, that's incredible right there. It says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. In other words, the supernatural is greater than the natural. You see, when you come to Jesus the first time, you have to declare in yourself, naturally, I am not good enough. I cannot make myself a good person. I cannot change the things that are dominating my life. I cannot get free from addictions. I cannot get free from, from fear. I cannot get free from things that are, that are coming against me. I just cannot get free from this on my own. And Jesus is like, yes, that's, that's where I want you. Because the gospel, Christianity is not this. Christianity is not making bad people good. If in your relationship with Jesus, it just becomes about trying to be a better person. I'm going to act right. I'm not going to do the bad things. You haven't got Christianity yet. That's not the gospel. The gospel is about making dead people alive. It means you are spiritually dead. You have no hope apart from Jesus. You're not supposed to reform your life. You're not supposed to just 
you know, as you grow up, you let those things go. That When you were a child, I don't do those things anymore. No, it's not supposed to be like that. You're not supposed to change your own life. You're supposed to allow your life to be born again. You're supposed to realize, I must die so that something good can live. It says that here in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that unless the seed dies, there can be no life. So Jesus is a picture of that. He's saying he died, but the picture of new life is Jesus coming back from the dead. Spiritually, we're dead as well. And spiritually, he says, I want to make you come alive. And all you have to do is entrust your life to me. All you have to do, it says in Romans 10 and verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Okay, so here's the deal. Jesus is not just Savior. It's not just about, oh Jesus, can you, can you get rid of all this nasty stuff that I've done in my life? That's part of it, but that's not all of it. The second part is this, that Jesus becomes your Lord. He's your master. He's your king. We don't understand what that is in the United States because we said we want our elected officials to do what we want. But here's the deal. In a kingdom, the king does what he wants. It does not matter what you think. It does not matter what you want. And until you're ready to submit to Jesus like that, you have not submitted your heart to Jesus. Until he's the master that what he says is right, that what he believes is right, that what he wants to do in your life is right, you have not entered in to receive the gospel. You've only got a partial gospel. Jesus forgiving sins is is only half of it. Jesus forgives our sins and we entrust him to be our Lord so that we are changed into the image of Jesus and we now represent him to everyone else and they say, who are you? Because you are not you. You're not Chris anymore. There's something else that marks you your life and I want it how did that happen in your life and Chris says I did nothing except receive what was given to me says you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord he's the master he's now the king and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross Nope, it actually doesn't say that. I tricked you. Uh-huh. Is that why you sit on the front row so you can laugh at me? Okay. <laughs> I love it. Thanks for sitting on the front row. It says this. It's interesting. Romans 10 and 9 says, Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. It's not just about the cross. It's about the empty tomb. It's about the resurrection. And now, Jesus is putting all enemies under his feet. And so here's the deal. My wife didn't read that that testimony earlier. Uh, So I want to read you a testimony. This is from our president, uh, Glenn Burris. He's the president of the Foursquare Church. And uh, she was going to read it earlier. But this this is what Jesus does when he puts enemies underneath his feet. And it says this, Pastor Glenn says, oh, I'm on Facebook. Okay, here we go. I just got an email from a grandpa who is also the pastor of a local Foursquare church. His new granddaughter had been diagnosed with a physical impairment that caused her arms to be shorter in comparison 
to the rest of the body. The parents had naturally been distraught. Last Sunday, the congregation felt impressed to intercede for her and pray, like, look at this, like they had never prayed before. During the prayer time, her arms grew a few inches to normal lengths. They were all beside themselves. <laughs> That's called a celebration right there. They scheduled a doctor's appointment this past week. Just a day or so ago, the doctor confirmed that the baby had indeed experienced a miracle, but he could not explain it. In the meantime, this sweetie pie is enjoying discovering and playing with her toes for the very first time. This is what... Glenn also says, it's so difficult to actually train our thinking to believe for the impossible to become possible. Yet the whole world celebrates this during Easter, the greatest miracle known to mankind, the resurrection of God's Son, Jesus. Easter came early for this baby, family, and church. Jesus is still putting his enemies under his feet. Yeah. So here I want us to respond to this testimony and to the to the message of the word that Jesus is running. Some of us we might have we might have some things in our lives that we need Jesus to exercise his lordship over. Whether that's some, you know, you're battling discouragement or depression or anxiety. Man, anxiety is like rampant in our country right now. Um, just in the circles I've heard of maybe. Uh, if you're battling any kind of addiction. Uh, if you have something in your body that needs to be healed. We want to see Jesus exercise his lordship this morning. Because we don't want to be like the disciples. We don't want to show up at the tomb and go... That was really cool. And then just go home and say, that was really cool. <laughs> Jesus was trying to get it. Hey, it wasn't to, so you could see something cool. God doesn't do stuff so we can go, wow, that was awesome. He does it so that we go, oh, you're doing that right now on the earth and you want me to be a part of it. Oh, you get to join in. You're a part of the parade. You're one of the people playing the instruments or singing the songs or marching together, inviting somebody else. You see somebody who's like, who doesn't look like they fit in the parade. It's like, no, 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 no. They fit in. They fit in. They're not left out. Let's bring them in. So if you need prayer for anything, we're going to give some time for you to respond. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, can I have the worship team come on and back up? If you've never given your heart to Jesus, now is the time. Jesus is still alive. He's still forgiving sin. He's still freeing people from all kinds of stuff. You can look around you. There's people all around this room who have given their hearts to Jesus and things have changed. Not because we were able to do it. It wasn't a natural thing. It was a supernatural thing. The supernatural dominated the natural in my life and changed me from where I was to where I am today. And it's continuing to change me. Thank you, Jesus. But if you need anything, we invite you to, to receive prayer today. We're going we're gonna to actually bring our elders up here.
Uh, they're going to come up front here. And uh, Dave, you want to come too? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.